this week on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. A week before Double or Nothing, a major cable network bets on AEW. We will discuss the big news from wrestling's next big promotion. Meanwhile, one of the stars in AEW also made a surprise challenge in New Japan just before the Best of Super Juniors got rolling. ROH completed its War of the Worlds tour with a match of the year contender that we saw in person. Plus, we will look ahead to Money in the Bank and more WWE talk next. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW, AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Paul. Back from a long, productive, busy, crazy, productive work. I don't know how many more adjectives I have for the Midwest. Uh, The nine-day trip, still trying to recover from that. But we are ready to go with a big week of wrestling discussion. Yes, since we barely talked wrestling last week. (laughs) In fact, we really didn't at all. (laughs) We are coming full force talking tons of wrestling this week, including AEW, which we haven't talked about very much in the last few months, and Ring of Honor, because we were there in person as we kind of teased last week. So before we get into our really long wrestling discussion, let's first plug our social media. You could find our podcast on Twitter, especially. We're very active at TwoFacePod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. Also, same spelling, TwoFacePod.com. You could find which audio platforms and the YouTube channel link right there where there's a tab that says Find the Pod. Just click there, all the links to any platform you want. And you can find me personally on Twitter at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. Very, very active on there as well as our show Twitter. I've got a poll going right now, my next either or video, which I do live streaming videos every week. So the next one will be an either or where I have to choose between Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse. So the poll asks you guys, which character you think is more iconic? I think the results right now are kind of surprising. So check that out on my Twitter, go and vote, make your voice heard. Also leave a comment because I'll read a lot of these comments on my live stream. So you'll be a part of the show and it'll be interactive. Plus I just did a Kelsey Likes Bill Murray. Kelsey Likes my show that I do semi, you know, regularly. That's always about stuff that I really enjoy, and I try to include you guys' thoughts in it, too. So we talked about my favorite Bill Murray movies, and I don't know. I love Bill Murray. He's quite a character, and we got to see a whole bunch of Bill Murray stuff when we went to the Cubs game. It's a true Cinderella story. <laughs> That's a terrible impression. Yeah, well, but it the, works. The best you get. I don't have any impersonations from Groundhog Day. So. Well, mine is uh, Back Off, Man. I'm a scientist from there Ghostbusters. Go. There you go. Your favorite movie. But now it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for headlines. And we're going to start with AEW. And the big news that came out this week, not a surprise. We knew they were going to go with a big network. It's not even a surprise who the network is, but it's still big nonetheless. TNT is back in the wrestling business, and AEW has a major TV carrier. This is huge news. It is huge news. Are we back in the 90s? I'd like (laughs) to think so. 90s nostalgia is strong. I don't want to say 
that it's like a copycat of what was happening with WCW because, you know, AEW is obviously trying to change things, do things differently. They're not trying to call back to the past because I do think that's one of WWE's biggest flaws is the constant going back to a time where they were successful, like the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era as well. They constantly do callbacks to that. So I'm not saying that AEW is trying to do the same thing and, like, just be very reminiscent of WCW and the Monday Night Wars days, because we don't even know what day of the week it will be. I just think it's exciting, and it is kind of a nostalgic flair. I'll say it's a little flair, not a copycat. Well, I mean, there is definitely some nostalgic uh, throwbacks to the 90s with uh, Jim Ross and uh, Earl Hebner being signed by AEW. Uh, You brought up a good point. We don't know what day it is. I think it would behoove them to not go against WWE immediately, build the audience, and then maybe go against WWE. Uh, I don't think you want to go immediately into, you know, we're a direct competitor for WWE just yet. Because, look, as as much as we know the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and, and a lot of wrestling fans do, your average fan still is not a big follower of what Kenny Omega has done. What I mean, they know Cody Rhodes because he was in WWE. So I think they've got to build that audience first. And then... Maybe go head-to-head up with them on Monday night. I think they've got a great base audience, to mm-hmm. your point. So, yes, they still need to grow, but the base is there. So I think it will be successful, even if they decided to do some kind of head-to-head thing. But I don't think they will. I don't think they want to try to repeat history type of thing. I mean, it would be kind of cool to see how they do. Uh, and maybe they would convert fans and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think it's the safer bet, like you said, to grow. Plus, there's still some people on the roster that I'm sure even fans of the Bucks and Cody and Kenny don't really know and aren't as familiar with. So some newer roster people that even more hardcore fans have to get used to. Right. And get yeah. to know. Yeah, you know, they've, they've got this partnership with a Chinese promotion, so those kind of guys need to get exposed a little bit so people know who they are. But there is one nostalgia factor uh, that is a big part of AEW, and he had a great promo this week talking about AEW, and that was Chris Jericho. Yeah, uh, Jericho had an amazing promo. He was, like, in a gym, and he's like, sorry, I can't be there for the announcement with all the TV execs. I am actually (laughs) training. You know, I'm actually here getting ready for my fight against Kenny. Sorry, Kenny, that I'm not there and all dressed up. Yeah, in, my, in a suit. And <laughs> it was awesome. Really well done. And uh, but, he al- had- but he also made mention of, you know, it, what a coincidence it is. I signed with AEW and suddenly we're signing with TNT. Yeah. So, and then he, he ends it by saying, you're welcome. And he punches a punching bag. I like the end where he punches the bag. Just thinking of him, I think he filmed it himself, thinking of him, like, trying to choreograph the bag punch everything i was like must have looked kind of funny in the gym but i like it well he had two big promos in the last week and we're going to talk about the other one momentarily uh i mentioned it before uh aew has been signing wrestling talent they've been signing announcers whether it's jim ross or excalibur uh they also this week signed some uh referees uh rick knox who we know from uh pwg Paul Turner from Ring of Honor. Paul! <laughs> and then, I'm uh, so sad he's leaving. And then the legend Earl Hebner. So uh, even on the referee front, they're making some inroads uh, with some name referees. We're talking a little bit about nostalgia and throwbacks and how they are signing some, you know, known people and some old school people. 
I, I will say, I, I don't mind the nostalgia factor, but I hope they don't rely too heavily on it. I mean, Cody Rhodes has come out and said, you know, we don't want just to have a ex-WWE right. roster. And they do have to be careful of that. Some uh, of the nostalgia picks I like, but there's one that I really don't like that I haven't spoken out about. Uh, the Jim Ross signing. I, I didn't like his commentary for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I know the... The argument that most people are making in support of Ross is that, well, now he's being paid directly from the company. Maybe he'll be more invested in the product. But I just see comments he makes here and there that I don't like, that to me don't mirror the current wrestling climate and isn't really the best for the current wrestling climate. Like, he made some kind of comment about how Kofi should change his persona to be more serious now that he's champion. And I think I did mention this. I don't think it would be wise. I, I think it would be great for him to have a serious side, but to change his whole persona... Just because he's a champion, I'd like to see the storytelling get a little more serious and, you know, no more pancake throwing, but I think he could still have, like, a funniness and a uniqueness about him and a fun nature because the whole idea of a champion, you don't want every champion to be the same. Right. You don't want every guy coming out with a scowl, running down to the ring being like, I'm going to defend my title. <laughs> you know, you want some variety. That's what wrestling is all about, in my opinion. So, to me, I didn't agree with Jim Ross there and uh, some of the statements he said about the Bucks, their wrestling style. If you specifically go back and listen to his New Japan calls when he was doing the commentary for Access, totally it's like he didn't even know their moves set. Mm -hmm. He didn't he didn't understand why they were doing flips. I mean, he's criticized New Japan's style. Maybe he won't do that with AEW because maybe he'll like that they're keeping score of wins and losses. Maybe he'll get behind that. But he didn't like the whole, in New Japan specifically, he didn't like the chopping back and forth. Like, right. why do they stand in the middle of the ring and ask to be hit? It doesn't make sense. You know, it, it has no, you know, no psychological reasoning. But I, I disagree. I think there's a lot of reasoning behind it. So, again, that's my one... You know, I'm not really too uh, looking forward to that. I love Excalibur. I'm really excited about that. Another PWG alum, Rick Knox. Uh, Rick Knox has actually been involved in some matches with the Young Bucks and actually with Kevin Steen once. Uh, we were going to do a PWG Rewind. <laughs> we just did not have the time this week. So maybe next week. I love Rick Knox. That's basically all I have to say. Super excited about him being a part of it. Paul Turner, sad to see him leave ROH. Well, and back to your point with Jim Ross. And this is... I'm not even going to go directly on Jim Ross because there's a, a lot of... Uh, Older guys who uh, have roles in wrestling, I'm not going to call anybody out by name per se, but they have that old school 80s, 90s wrestling mentality. And I, I liken it to uh, old baseball fans that don't like the young guys, you know, flipping the bat, think it's disrespectful to the game. Well, things evolve and, you know, these, these older announcers got to understand that this is a new brand, and just like baseball is trying to evolve and, and trying to appeal to a younger, that's what wrestling is right now. And it's not, you know, it's not Bruiser Brody and, you know, you know Dusty Rhodes or, you know. It's not even, you even, know, Stone Cold and Vincent Mann. Right. It's not that either. Right. I mean, there is more of a high-flying. There's more of a, a, a risk-taking kind of thing now, and... And, and there is the, you know, the, the chopping and things like that. And so. And comedy bits. Right. Which will happen in AEW. Comedy right. segments within the match. Right. So, I, again, I, Jim Ross is a legend. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with him being a part of this. But he's going to have to kind of a, adapt his attitude a little bit on his view of wrestling nowadays. Uh, because 
some of his thoughts are outdated with what wrestling is today. And I'm not saying we don't respect him because just oh, like yeah. you said, he's a legend. You respect him. I respect him he's greatly. He's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites too, especially from like, you know, the WWE era where he worked with them. Like just classic historic calls he made mm-hmm. that you can never forget. Oh, he's broken ass. <laughs> you know, I love Jim Ross. So let me just clear that out of the way. I, I'm, I'm not saying that it's impossible for him to adapt. I'm just saying I am wary because of the proof I've seen and heard from him calling on access. So if, if that's proven wrong, I'll be more than happy to say I was wrong about it. I want him to prove me wrong. So big, uh, big news from AEW. And of course, next week we'll be actually looking ahead to Double or Nothing before we hop on a plane to Las Vegas for that big show and be a part of StarCast. So we'll uh, look forward to that next week. But let's uh, let's switch gears and go to New Japan. And uh, when last we left you uh, with wrestling discussion, we were on the road to Don Taku. Then the road hit Don Taku, and we were uh, we didn't do much wrestling discussion last week. So we got to back up a little bit and talk about Chris Jericho. We j- just talked about who made an appearance at the Don Taku show after Okada won. But it wasn't what we thought it was going to be because we didn't see the show live. Right. So we didn't see the show live. We were really behind on wrestling for that particular week. Mm-hmm. Again, we had to catch up a lot this week. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we saw some spoilers online. And in fact, you were like, something big happened in New Japan. <laughs> Do not look at your phone until you watch Shantaku. You should watch it right now. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to go on Twitter today. This is when yeah. you were out of town. Yeah. I really thought I was going to be fine. And I was fine because I didn't go on Twitter. But what happened was I went into a Google search, uh-huh. and uh, I was going to type something in the search bar, and below, the first thing I see is that Chris Jericho made a surprise appearance. So I was thinking Chris Jericho appeared live and in person, and you basically saw the same type of spoiler, and that's why you warned me, and you thought that I would mark out for seeing Chris Jericho just appear there. So again, we both thought that he appeared there live. End up watching it, and it's a video package. Now, it was still really cool. It was awesome, yeah. It was a really well done and creepy video package, and even though Jericho... redefined himself when he joined New Japan Pro Wrestling for the first time when he made his appearance, you know, over a year and a half ago. He continues to redefine his character. He still has, like, the paint on his face like he did when he faced Naito, Mm -hmm. but now it's getting, like, even more extreme. Like, he keeps refining the character more and more. I think we saw that with the video package of him. I mean, with the the bullet, like, the the spikes, not the bullets, the (laughs) spikes on his jacket, and really the creepy tone. He just keeps going further with his character changes and uh, evolution, really. I like it a lot. So just when you think he can't change more, he makes the character have more depth than it did before. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely kind of a dark Jericho, certainly not the funny Jericho we've seen in the past. Of course, we've mentioned it on the show before. Jericho is a master of reinventing himself. He's done it so many times. Good guy, bad guy, face, heel, dark, funny. I mean, he does it all. And and uh, definitely looking forward to his future showdown with Okada should be great. Yeah, but, you know, to me, like, him facing Okada is a lot different than him facing Naito or him facing Kenny. So I am a little, like, I hope it'll be good. Because to me, when I think Okada, I don't think all-out brawl, which right now I think Jericho's the best at those types of matches. I'm thinking more, like, technical classic. And, you know, Jericho doesn't really do that since he's been in New Japan. He hasn't gone that direction. They've gone all out with, like, weapons and being really brutal and physical. So how will this be? I know that Okada can go 
know and can be physical, but when you think about it in Okada match, it's like beautiful drop kicks, really intense sequences, long matches, so I don't know how it's going to turn out. But I, to be fair, I think we kind of thought the same thing before he faced Kenny Omega initially, too, was how are they, how were their styles going to mesh, and it, it produced a classic match, so... Well, that's true, too. <laughs> you, you've got a great point there, and I do recognize that you're completely right with that. <laughs> so, I'm not saying that it can't be good, I'm just saying... Let me pat myself on the back. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, I want to wait and see, and I hope it lives up to my expectations, because I've got high expectations. It'll be great. I'm sure it will be. Uh, let's switch gears and more in the present, and uh, as we do this podcast, we are completely caught up through the first four days of uh, Best of Super Juniors, and surprisingly, we're going to start off talking about show of all people. Yeah. Um, we talked about his budding rivalry with Shingo. Uh, they had a great match. Uh, and then Show followed it up by with another great match, and uh, he's had the two longest matches of the tournament, and arguably the two best matches. Yet he's zero and two. I think it's surprising that he's at zero, but I think the great matches are going to be evidence to why he should kind of get a bigger push from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think they're going to see his hard work and the match quality he delivered in this tournament so far, and I think he will be rewarded in the end. So yeah, it kind of uh, is very surprising that he's at zero, but at the same time, I know Shingo was going to do well. Right. Although, you know, they had little interactions before, so I am surprised that Sho didn't kind of come out victorious, but maybe they're going to extend that even further. I don't know, maybe that's going to go on longer, their whole feud together. But um, I wasn't surprised about Shingo winning... Although there was always the chance that Sho could pull out the win. But nope, didn't happen that way. I mean, look, he's had two two opponents, you know, in Shingo, who's undefeated, and Dragon Lee, who is the champion. The champion. You know? So, so it would be hard to have him lose, too. Right. So the, it's not, uh, like, bad on Sho that he's lost. Uh, we did like uh, Sho's got a new look, but also new music. Yeah. <laughs> Although... You know, Caprice said it best. Yo, that's dope <laughs> about show's new music. But you think it's very similar to a WWE star. Yeah. Um, TJP. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it kind of, it was reminiscent of TJP, former uh, or initial cruiserweight champ uh, on 205 Live. Uh, but no, show show's kind of reinventing himself. He's, you know, and yo, yo is kind of at the same time... It's almost like it kind of reminds me of uh, we discussed whether Evil and Sonata were going to go a singles path. I'm curious whether Sho and Yo are going to go a singles path. If they do, what does that do for the junior tag team division? Well, I think it's very <laughs> different, Evil and Sonata and Sho and Yo, because Sho and Yo were always a tag team. Right. Evil and Sonata were singles guys. Then True. they were meshed up as a random tag team, did really well, and they've wrestled as singles after, too. Whereas Sho and Yo very rarely wrestle as singles. I mean, they have done it here and there over, like, the year since they came back, well, a year and a half, really, or plus, even longer than that, uh, since they came back from Excursion from Ring of Honor. But if you even look back at Ring of Honor, they were wrestling as a tag team, the Tempora Boys, right. back when they were with uh, ROH and touring mm -hmm. with them. But uh, I feel like, yes, they're both excelling, but I feel like Sho is so clearly ahead mm -hmm. in I the agree. singles route than Yo, because it just seems like he's so much more developed than Yo. But I, I still like both of them a lot, so I like what I'm seeing, and uh, I think Sho's going to go far, especially if they eventually break them up. But, but again... The junior division is so light after the Young Bucks had moved up to the heavyweight division. Plus, then, now they've left completely. Right. So, you're really playing with a thin roster when you're talking about junior tags. 
and there's not many tag teams out there right now. The funny thing is we're surprised that Sho has no points right now. Yo actually has two points after beating Bandito on Thursday. So. Which is a huge win because mm. Bandito is like an up-and-comer right now, and he's doing so well in Ring of Honor, so I'm surprised. And we'll talk about in a moment kind of our surprises on who's at four points, who's at zero right now. Uh, during Don Taku, uh, there was the debut of Phantasmo, and uh, now he's in this tournament, and... We're both very impressed by him, I El love, Fantasma. I love him. I knew I'd like him. I saw like some highlights of his work before because you know I didn't really watch him in Rev Pro. I I, I try to watch Rev Pro when I can, but I, I don't really get to as much as I'd like. Heck, there's a lot of promotions I don't get to check out and, like I'd like. And we both want to go back and watch that match against David Starr because they keep talking about it yeah. in, in uh, New Japan during this tournament. But apparently that was a great match when he won the belt from David Starr. Yeah, and you know I like David Starr, mm-hmm. so I'm totally up for watching that match. So, yeah, I've, I've seen a little bit of him before he came to New Japan. But since he's been there, I mean, the moves are incredible, which I already knew. But, like, the uh, attitude is perfect for Bullet Club. I really think he's a great addition. He's a perfect fit. Really like that he's got a defined character. I just love it all, overall. I mean, flicking off an infant. Or really not an infant, more like a toddler. But, but still, it's pretty bad. It's not like the toddler knew what was going on, but it was pretty surprising to see him go up and flip, flip get it right in the toddler's face like he's maybe going to, you know, interact with the kid, and instead he flips him off. Reminiscent of... K-E-S, yeah. when Archer would, like, spit and, like, terrorize scare kids, a, yeah, and you terror, loved it. Terrorize I mean, the one kid, yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful, but this is very reminiscent of that, but even more harsh, I think, because he's literally flicking the kid off in his face, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god. I liked it a lot, though. I thought that was one of the best parts. Uh, and I also loved, uh, in his match against Bandito, uh, he had the interaction with Red Shoes, where, you know, he flexed in front of him, and, and Red Shoes kind of nodded. Uh, like, oh, that's impressive kind of thing. And then uh, El Fantasmo gave him, I don't know if I can call it what we called it as kids, but twisted his nipple. Oh, yes, yes. So, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of Fantasmo so far. He's been uh, fun to watch in his match over against Bandito. I think he's somebody to watch in the whole tournament. Absolutely. I do. I think he could really be really high up there with the points at the end. And he's taken on the, uh, taken on the, uh, Bullet Club persona for sure. I mean, he's definitely got that mindset, and uh, you know, he's doing the too sweet all the time. It's like oh, that's a lot of too sweets. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, so does Tomatonga and Tongaloa have been, have been doing it a lot but it, too. But he's embla- embracing the heel work on his, in his match against uh, Bushi. He had the low blow before he hit the finisher. So uh, I, I, I like him a lot. I like the uh, personality that's coming out with him, and uh, like you said, I think he's gonna go go far in this tournament. So after uh, two nights each of block action, so four nights total, your your four pointers in the uh, first block are uh, at the time of the recording of this podcast. Of course, if you watch this podcast a little bit late, there'll be more nights that we'll have to catch up on, but we'll get into those next week. Uh, but through that, your four pointers in the one block are Tiger Mask, which to me is a huge surprise. It is a very big surprise. Shingo and Ishimori, no surprise, and then I think. The big surprise in the zeros is show, as we mentioned before. Yeah, I think that's the biggest because he's had like the best matches, as you referenced earlier. Meanwhile, in the the other block, four guys have four points. Uh, Robbie Eagles and Robbie Eagles. I just want to make a note. I love him as well. Uh, he is wonderful, much like Phantasmo has an awesome persona for Bullet Club specifically, and. Uh, 
I, I just like his persona a lot. I like his wrestling, too. And Osprey, of course, also has four points. Of course, that's my boy. So, uh, Phantasmo as well. Yeah, and Taguchi, which is a little bit of a surprise, but then... People forget how great of a wrestler Taguchi is. They always think of him with comedy, but he's a wonderful wrestler. Let me tell you, used to tag with uh, Prince Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor, and they were wonderful together, so... Well, and also, Taguchi... Bear in mind, he's gone against Yo and uh, Doki, so uh, he hasn't faced the the, the biggest big names. Name, so right. I don't think that's going to uh, stand long. But uh, still, he's he's at four. I think the biggest surprise on the zero front to me is Bandito. I mean, yeah, uh, that's I'm, super surprising. I, I don't know why he's at zero, <laughs> but he could still rack up the points. I mean. No, no, no surprise. The uh, young lion uh, Narita is at zero, but he's he had a, a really good performance in his last match against Robbie Eagles. Uh, crowd was definitely behind him. Rocky at zero too. Yeah, although his match uh, was great against Osprey, uh, a really good match. On Caprice definitely thought it was awesome, and <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. In well, a let's second. get to that. Let's get to Caprice. Uh, and his commentary, he's come over and has been a part of New Japan. And we'll start right there in the Rocky Romero match. He he made no bones about the fact that I'm a good friend of Rocky Romero. And he was screaming and losing his mind when I he, love when he when screams. He, when he thought Rocky Romero was going to win. But what have you thought about uh, Caprice so far on commentary? I am one of the biggest proponents and fans of Caprice Coleman. Not only on commentary, but just as a person in general. You can't meet a nicer guy. We got the opportunity mm-hmm. and really we had the pleasure of interviewing him right before Supercard of Honor. And I know if you're a longtime listener, you've heard me mention that many a times, but it was so cool. It was like he was putting me on Coleman's pulpit. (laughs) So I felt like it was a really awesome interaction. And I've been a fan of him ever since. But once you see him on commentary and hear what he says, he just has a great way about him. I love just how he has casual phrases, but he could also be very professional. And he also brings a wrestling perspective, much like Rocky. A lot of people love Rocky on commentary because he has that wrestling experience. So he could bring in that when he's talking. So does Caprice. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. During Rocky's match against Will Ospreay, uh, Kevin Kelly made a point that Rocky seemingly has transitioned into being an announcer but he, during this Best of Super Juniors, he wants to show that he's still a wrestler first. And Kevin Kelly kind of set up Caprice in the same thing. Yes, you're, you've become an announcer, but you're still a wrestler first. And Caprice kind of emphasized that too. So, look, we really haven't seen Caprice wrestle in a long time. But we've seen him do a lot of on-air work. And he's very good at it. But I, I hope, you know, we don't know what's going on with his body Interestingly enough, he has mentioned, you know, the punishment that wrestlers take. So I don't know if there's something going on that is keeping him from wrestling. That's pure speculation. He, he did specifically say, I'm afraid to stop working out because then I'll know how hurt I truly am. The muscle protects you. So I keep working out, staying in shape so that I don't feel how hurt I truly am. So he mentioned that. That's yeah. almost exactly how he said it. Right. So I found that to be very interesting I'm yeah like, what does that mean yeah you know? so hopefully he's not done wrestling he made it seem like he's not but he's done a great job on commentary he had the great line uh during the uh jonathan gresham marty scurl match yeah he said this guy is smoother than peanut butter <laughs> i just love his inflections i love his crazy phrases like that like nobody else is saying that on commentary i will say i've always been a fan of him on roh commentary i think he gels so well with ian 
and even Ian and Colt together, and then even Ian and Nick Aldis, mm-hmm. or just him and Nick Aldis. He has gelled so well with anybody he's been put with in Ring of Honor. I do think it's going to take a little bit, I think it was better in the last night, but I think it's going to take a little bit of getting used to him with Kevin Kelly, because they just got to get used to each other. It's not Caprice's fault. I'm one of his biggest proponents, so I'm not criticizing him. No, and it's not Kevin Kelly's fault either. It's just uh, getting that feel. I mean, look, Kevin Kelly and Excalibur worked great together. I just Caprice feel like- works great together with the ROH guys. So they've just got to yeah. find their way. Plus, you've got Chris. Chris, yeah, that's kind of like the third element. It's hard to do a three-man booth regardless, even though Caprice has been a part of one in Ring of Honor and has excelled. So it's just getting used to the guys you're working with and being able to go back and forth without... Uh, and, and on the most recent night, it was just Kevin and Caprice. Chris yes. wasn't there. So, uh, but that was a little better. Yeah, definitely a little smoother. Because, you, you know, I've said it how many times on this podcast, three-man booths in any sport are kind of awkward because you don't know. It's one thing to know when the play-by-play is kind of finished the thought and jump in. But when you've got basically two analysts, who jumps in where? And, and you know, it's just something they've got to get the feel of. It. And Caprice is is really good, as we've seen with all this and Ian and, and Colt Cabana. And again, <coughs> excuse me. I'm not taking anything away because I think he is wonderful and I think he's doing a great job. And I'm so glad he got this opportunity. Want to see more of him on commentary and hear more of him on commentary in New Japan for Wrestling because if anyone deserves it, it's him. He's a wonderful man. Very, very good person. Uh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about uh, New Japan in the first few days. I, the one thing I, I, that jumps out to me that uh, other than a, a couple really great matches, and again, Show having two great long matches, unfortunately, losing both for him, but the uh, the Dragon Lee suicide dives over the top ropes, or are, are between the ropes, maybe the best suicide dive in the business. He, he launches out, and they even said it on commentary, the way he launches out with such velocity and so streamlined, uh, back-to-back nights, he had these just terrific suicide dives. And uh, that's one of the uh, highlights for me yeah. coming out of this tournament so far in Best of Super Juniors, uh, just the visual of that. All right, so some takeaways for me, some random notes. Skrull, I like that he has, you know, Brody with him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was unusual and neat. Of course, that meant that Brody was not at the shows we were at, the Which... War of the Worlds tour, and a lot of Ring of Honor guys were missing, including Gresham. So Skrull did go against Gresham, and I was very surprised and kind of disappointed that they didn't let Gresham get the win, you know, in his big best of super juniors you know inclusion it's a huge deal that he's a part of the tournament he's one of the best wrestlers around especially if you talk about technical wrestlers and i just thought that they were going to give him like kind of a leg up and kind of a nice highlight by having him win his first match but he uh didn't yeah Skrull did so to me i, I found that surprising but gresham's done well I-, I enjoy seeing him in the tournament again i just i think it was a surprising finish for that particular yeah. match yeah he did bounce back and beat taka so he's at two points And so uh, four days in as we uh, record this podcast, some good stuff. Uh, It it is a grind. Uh, It is. I feel like we're working as hard as the wrestlers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Going through all these matches and and, uh, trying to get caught up on everything. But there's definitely been some uh, fun action. And unlike previous years, at least 
all the broadcasts have multiple camera angles and announcers, unlike the the one wide shot at the gym. Oh my god, yeah. So things have improved over the years. Like, if you guys ever doubt that New Japan's growing, just go back a couple of years and look at these matches without commentary, without another camera. Oh. It's so hard to pay attention because everything melds together. Everything. Yep. And you're just like, I can't look at this single camera anymore. <laughs> That's how you feel. So, uh, that was a good little uh, New Japan discussion and a great few nights of the Best of Super Juniors tournament. But let's head over to the shows we went to, mm-hmm. the War of the Worlds tour shows. Yep, there were four nights all together, two in Buffalo, or one in Buffalo, one in Toronto. Those two we were not at, but then uh, over last weekend, Saturday night in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Sunday in uh, Villa Park, just outside Chicago. The highlight of the entire two nights, and it was something that we were, we've were we been looking forward to, months, period. for months. Um, G.O.D. versus the Briscoes, and... It delivered. I yeah. knew it would be good. Well, in our spare chain segment right after the show, we thought maybe it was a match of the year candidate, but we didn't want to say, you know, because we were there, maybe we thought more so. We rewatched now it, Now that though. we've rewatched it, what do you think? Yeah, I think <laughs> it's a match of the year contender for me. I love those two tag teams. They've got two of my favorite wrestlers in Mark Briscoe and Tama Tonga. Specifically, like, those are two of my specific favorite wrestlers right now. Uh, Mark... His selling, people might not realize, it's flipping beautiful. Yeah, it's a match of the year. Tomatonga's, you know, just his personality and his his reactions, especially when him and Jay Briscoe were flipping each other off across the ring. <laughs> just so many magical moments in that match. And I love that they streamed it live on Honor Club so we could talk about it because TV tapings, I think, if they included it as a part of the TV, it would have lost a little bit of its mm-hmm. luster because people would have gotten it spoiled. It just before it officially aired and you would have had to wait to see it. And I just think it was better to do it live. I do too. Available. Well, what stood out with me too is, you know, look, there was the great match between the Briscoes and and PCO and Brody, but there were a lot of weapons. It was violent. Violent. This was just a great match. There weren't a lot of gimmicks. There wasn't any outside props used. It was just two of the best tag teams in the world going at it. And the match was about 15, 16 minutes long. And it was really, really good. If you haven't seen it, just like I, I said on Twitter, go, go on Honor Club. Make sure you go back and watch it because it was really, really good. It really was, and I loved every second of it except the finish. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't. I wasn't rooting for God. Well, and you were in the minority, which we've kind of talked about. You know, the Briscoes didn't get a huge reaction at G1 Supercard. I'm wondering and, what's going on. And God definitely was the crowd favorite in Grand Rapids. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on. I mean, the Briscoes, they used to get cheered. Like, they used to, or even booed. If it's, like, like you know, silent. There was people, like, kind of rallying up in the middle of the match saying, man up, man yep. up. I was saying it, too. Yeah, it was right. awesome. Um, I was like, man, this ring, can it contain all of the cursing that's going to ensue? And sure enough, we got a flick off from both of them. It was kind of like a, a sword fight. It was a face-off. But yeah. it was with uh, middle fingers. It was great. Now, uh, that that match, I, I think I said Grand Rapids, that match was actually in Phillip Park. Yes. The night before, in Grand Rapids, uh, uh, G.O.D. joined Hikaleo against the Kingdom. And to me, that was one of the best matches in Grand Rapids on the regular War of the Worlds shows that were airing on Honor Club. And you kind of alluded to Tama Tonga's personality. I loved it in that match because... Uh, Hikaleo is hitting those massive chops on TKO Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
Tama Tonga starts doing the Ric Flair as the crowd's doing the woo. I thought that was hilarious. Look, Tama Tonga, you know, at some point we're going to do a thing where we rank our wrestlers. He might be in my top five. He's certainly he top ten. He might be 10. in my top five, but he's, like you said, definitely in my top ten. He's just so It's so good. hard. It's hard to narrow it I down. I mean, he's definitely, to me, one of the best personalities in wrestling. Oh, what yeah. he does on Twitter, the way he just doesn't doesn't pull any punches, the way he called out Enzo on Twitter, the way he called out the Briscoes. The smooth, slightly angry, but subtly yeah. promo that he does. Like, any promo, it's like... You mother <laughs> and like, but it's so calm. It's, yeah. it's the opposite of like being really angry and aggressive, but he still is. It's awesome. I don't know. The other great match to me on that uh, Grand Rapids show was kind of an impromptu match. And I was kind of surprised it happened because we just mentioned the kingdom had gone against uh, G.O.D. and Hikaleo. But later in the show, Mark Haskins goes against Taven for the title. Really good match. And a couple I never really thought Haskins was going to win, but there were a couple near falls, and the crowd was really into that match. Yeah, that was a good match. Uh, and then the TV mat- matches, which we're not going to give away, but I would say in the coming weeks, definitely look out for uh, the four-way tag match between Coast to Coast, Young Lions, Bouncers, and The Kingdom. People don't give the Bouncers enough love. They're really good, especially for like such big guys. Uh, I might be biased, because I really <laughs> love Beer City Bruiser and Brian Malonis, because Malonis is part of my favorite podcast. Right. Beer City Bruiser has always been so nice to me, and we interviewed both of them. So we're really partial to them, and they had a great showing in that match. So so did everyone. I mean, The Kingdom's really on fire right now. They've got great chemistry. Uh, and then the other four-way match that... Uh, that was the main event in the Villa Park show, but obviously the, it'll be in seemingly the fourth of the TV tapings. Uh, Jay Lethal, Jeff Cobb, PCO, and Roosh thought that was a tremendous match. Yeah, that was probably, you know, after G.O.D. versus the Briscoes, that was probably the best match. It was really Technically, good. it was wonderful. And it was crazy to me. Uh, of course, when you're watching on TV, you'll never know the difference. But that night, Jay Lethal wrestled twice. Yeah. Uh, and both were long matches. One was, I think the first one was a tag match, if I'm not... Was it? I don't really remember what the first one was. I don't remember, but it was at the beginning of the show. It was like in the first TV taping. Then obviously, yeah. this was in the last TV taping. We got to talk about how disappointed we were in the crowds. I thought the Grand Rapids crowd was okay, you know, size-wise, and both crowds were kind of vocal, but the Chicago crowd, to me, was really disappointing and it kind of worried me a little bit. It worried me, too, because if you remember, after the Grand Rapids show on our Spare Change video that we released on Twitter, we gave our, you know, instant reactions right after the show Mm -hmm. with the ring behind us and everything. So when we did that reaction, I even said, I can't wait for tomorrow because we'll be going to a smaller, you know, intense Chicago show. We've been to All In. It was bigger. I actually forgot that I had been to to All In in Chicago. I mean, I knew I went to All In, but I couldn't remember for a second that it was in Chicago. And I kept thinking it was my first Chicago show, but (laughs) it wasn't. But it, it was supposed to be my first smaller Chicago show. So in the Grand Rapids reaction, I said, can't wait to experience this really great atmosphere. I've heard how wonderful like local Chicago shows are and can't wait to go and see the crowd get really into it. So we get there and it's really not as filled out as I thought. And I knew in my heart, like they had to have sold out this building before, like before Mm -hmm. everyone left. And now, of course, there's a building back up period, and they have done a good job with their roster, building up new stars, I think, but I think it has to continue because it just didn't show up in the crowd, and I think what didn't help was the New Japan stars that they included were not the biggest New Japan stars. Right. I mean, you had Kojima, you had uh, Nagata, you had Evil and Sonata, but you didn't have, like, Suzuki, Okada, people who are not a part of the best of Super Juniors. (laughs) Yeah. 
the people who could have came over right. because they're not doing the best of Super Juniors tournament. Especially like Suzuki. I mean, I don't know what he's doing with Rev Pro right now or Zack Saber Jr. To me, that would have helped fill out the fill out the building a little more. But I really should rely on Ring of Honor stars to do that. But yeah. a lot of the stars were missing. Yeah, no, it was really disappointing. In fact, when I tweeted out the picture uh, of God versus uh, the Briscoes, a couple people commented on, "Wow, is anybody even there? Yeah. Is, are there like a hundred people there?" It was disappointing because again, we did that PW or that uh, super kicking at old school with. Uh, CM Punk, and we looked at a couple of his old Ring of Honor matches in Chicago. in Chicago, and it was insane, huge crowds. So to compare it to what we saw last Sunday in Villa Park, I was disappointed and a little worried about Ring of Honor. You know, I I, I know With I've AEW said, too. Yeah, I'm a little worried. And then they took Paul Turner. Yeah, I'm a little worried. I mean, honestly. I know I've said it on the show. Got to be patient. They're they're building the stars back up. They did it in the past when they lost CM Punk and and those guys at that time, but. Yeah, it was startling the the crowd. I I was I was thoroughly uh, stunned and disappointed. In a place like Chicago, yeah, like I mean, if it was anywhere else, it might be understandable. But Chicago, they should have sold out that building, and it was it, there was parts that were really full, you know, mm-hmm. but just not what I anticipated at all, not what I had in my mind, not what I pictured it would be like, but still a very enjoyable show, and that's what the shame of it is, right? That it was a great show and a great set of TV tapings, but. It wasn't the crowd there. No. And I will say their TV tapings are extremely long and tiring. And it was a work night right. for it a lot a of people. Sunday night. Yep. So Started Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Ends past 11 o'clock at night. And uh, that's a long show. Why didn't they start at 6? I, <laughs> I do not know. I can't tell you. Because in Grand Rapids, it started at 6. Yep. So that was kind of a little different and odd. But it was fun. I mean, I'm just an old person and can't stay up anymore. <laughs> well, and it, I will say when we went back and watched the G.O.D. Briscoes match, you couldn't tell on TV how small the crowd was. It looked good on TV. Yeah. So, so you know, I guess we're kind of peeling the curtain back a little bit, much like we did when uh, the WWE show in New Orleans had the horrible crowd, but you wouldn't have known it on TV. Uh, kind of the same with Ring of Honor here. But hopefully, uh, hopefully they're on their way to bouncing back, and hopefully whatever fans they have lost because the Young Bucks left and whatever, they can build back up. Yeah, like we've noted in the past, you know, Ring of Honor has bounced back many a time, as Paul referenced CM Punk leaving, uh, Brian Danielson, a- a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, all kinds of people leaving, and they have bounced back. But again, it's just going to take a little bit longer, I think, this time, because the Bucks were such a huge talent to lose. Plus, they lost a huge chunk of their roster. Um, and we'll see. I know that they've bounced back many a time, and I hope it's the same this time. And I think it will be. All right, finally, we're going to switch to uh, WWE and kind of combine uh, Raw and SmackDown from the last couple weeks and look ahead to Money in the Bank. Yeah. Two weeks ago, the show started, and and I'm going to hit on this a little more on closing out the show, but uh, they start the show with 30 minutes of talking before they even get into the wrestling, and it was this whole Vince McMahon, you know, oh, the wild cards are showing up. I've got an idea. We're going to do the wild card rule. I like the wild card rule, but I don't like it. I'll start with why I like it, because it's going to mix things up. You know, every now and then have different matchups, you know, while keeping most of the brands separate. What I don't like about it is they threw it in right after the, the shakeup. And I don't like it if it's going to be the same people every week. If Roman Reigns is going to be on both shows every week. Which is, which seems it seems like, like two weeks is. into this. Yeah. Then I think it's a huge mistake. Yeah, I don't like it at all. <laughs> Honestly, you're like, oh, I like it a little if. Like, I don't like it, period. <laughs> no, I hate it. 
the only thing it would be better if they combined some divisions and then people bounce back and forth. Yeah, which that's the only said. thing that would work for me. Like the women's division combines, and then uh, the tag team division combines, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. It just seems like random people are allowed to go back and forth. Yeah, go on both shows. Lame. I hate it. Yeah. Sorry, I have nothing positive to say. <laughs> I usually take a positive spin on WWE if I can, but I don't like it. Well, uh, we'll get to a couple things you do like yes. about WWE. Bray Wyatt's uh, character reveal in the Firefly Funhouse, which I thought was uh, kind of a cool, dark uh, look for him. I loved it. I loved the mask-looking thing that he was wearing. I thought it was a great reveal. Will he still have that split persona? I hope so. I think so. Uh, that'll be kind of cool, almost like a torn personality. Or he's just going to go full bore and just be dressed up with that mask. But I kind of like if he's like the kid show host yeah. and try not to like go in that direction. Even though he said like he learned to work with that persona. That's why you revealed it, I think. <laughs> but I, I love the Firefly Funhouse. I think it's the best thing going right now. Wowie zowie. Zowie wowie. <laughs> Isn't it zowie no, wowie? I think it's wowie zowie. I don't know. Now we got to go back and watch. wrong. I don't know. But anyway, it's really creepy when he said it like all eerie like mm -hmm. in the mask. Oh, man. I think uh, he is one of the most creative people. I really like what he's doing. Speaking of creative, there's lots of rumors. Uh, you're going to talk about that in the closing out the show, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. About the creative. Yep. Uh, another one of your favorites and has been for a long time is Sami Zayn. Uh, one of the rare times that something consequential happens leading up to a pay-per-view, but Sami Zayn got a chance to go against Braun Strowman. Lots of, it was false count anywhere, and uh, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin get involved. Uh, they put uh, Strowman through a ladder in like a brutal spot, and Sami Zayn ends up winning, and so he gets Braun Strowman's spot in the Money in the Bank match. So cool that Sami Zayn has come back and now is going to get to be a part of this Money in the Bank ladder match on Sunday. Yeah, I'm excited about it, except, you know, Sami Zayn has always been a favorite of mine when I first started getting into wrestling. Um, first discovered NXT when he was back in NXT, old school NXT. But uh, I gotta say right now, I don't know if I'd put him in my top five because I haven't really enjoyed what is happening with him right now. And I mean, it's cool that he's being featured in this match. I just don't like the persona that much. A lot of people do. I mean, I know yeah. our good friend, good guy Dave, loves it. So. It's growing on me a little bit, but I, like you've said for months on this show, he is a true baby face, and uh, that kind of seems like it's more his persona. Right. Uh, but he he is definitely more a baby face type. And, uh, but again, he gets to be in the money in the bank, and so I guess that leads us into the money in the bank discussion. Uh the men's match is Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. I guess, who do you think is going to win it, and who would you like to see win it, Kelsey? Uh, Sami Zayn. <laughs> I mean, come on. You think you Do you think he's going to win no. it? No. Okay, but you but, want him to win it. Yes. Who do, who do you think actually does win it? I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Drew McIntyre, <laughs> well, uh, whatever. Uh, I'd love it if Ricochet did. I think he's more plausible, but I think the actuality is probably Drew McIntyre. Please don't let it be Baron Corbin. That's all I'm asking. Uh, I'd like to see Andrade get the push, uh, but I don't think it'll be him. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think when all is said and done, I think it is going to be Drew McIntyre, but I, I hope we're both wrong on that. Also, uh, the women's money in the bank. Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, Alexa Bliss for now, although I'm reading she's uh, not medically cleared yet, so maybe that's why they had Nikki Cross wrestle in her place on Raw. Uh, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, and Carmella. Who wins, and who do you think 
Who would you like to see win? I'd like to see Natalia win. Always Natalia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Natalia proponent because she's just been such a great part of the division for so long. Trained a lot of people. Really nice person. So my wish is Natalia. My thought process is could be Carmella again. Um, I'd love it if it was Bailey. I think that's possible. Maybe they want to soothe her. I mean, they don't want another thing like Sasha Banks where she's upset with how she's being used. So maybe they give it to Bailey. Yeah, I'd like to see Bailey win it. I actually think she is going to win it. They've kind of set the groundwork with her uh, fellow four horsewomen. She's already gone against Becky Lynch, which I think I mentioned was a huge mistake to have them already go against each other and Becky Lynch kind of win easily. Because I think that could be... Uh, Bailey wins it, cashes it in on Becky Lynch, but they've also set up a little rivalry with Charlotte too. So Bailey would be the one I I kind of hope would win it out of that. Uh, you know, again the Alexa Bliss, I would think she's a possibility, but we're hearing she's not medically cleared. Uh, she, you know, if that's true, they, yeah. They, they had Nikki Cross fill in for her on Monday night, which worried us a little bit about Nikki Cross's persona. It, yeah, initially. Yeah, it was crazy to see her talk normally. What's the deal? That's not how she talks. She's supposed to be crazy. Well, later she was crazy. Yeah, but even, like, having that little interaction just wasn't in character. Like, even if she was pretending to be normal, it just doesn't... I don't like it. It just seemed out of place. And no, don't ruin Nikki Cross. No, please don't. She's, like, one of my favorite women's wrestlers. I was really happy, though, that she got plugged into that match and won. So, because she has not been on TV at all. I know. And she's one of our favorites. I mean, they already destroyed Sanity by, first of all, taking her out of Sanity. Then they broke up Sanity. Uh, so hopefully she's going to get a push because she's really good and, and her character is awesome. Breaking up Sanity such a mistake. It, but anyway, go ahead. It was. It was. Um, quickly, Kofi versus KO. I think Kofi's going to retain. I don't. I, you would hope they're not going to take the belt away from him. Seth and AJ, we've said this before. Too soon, probably. Way too soon. To go soon. right into this Way rivalry. Way too soon. I guess Seth will retain... <laughs> I don't know. I'm not investing like invested like I should be on a match that has the potential to have an insane high quality. So I'm I don't, can't believe I'm not invested. Yeah. Just, it feels too rushed. Ho- hopefully it'll be good. And then finally, Becky has two matches on Sunday. Does Becky keep both belts? Does she retain one or does she lose both? Blech, who cares? <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't like Becky Lynch very much. I know you guys do. A lot of people do. That's fine. Uh, I don't know. I guess she'll retain both. They're so high on her. But I think it's probably pretty hard on her as a performer. So I don't, that's that's a lot of pressure to have both belts. Because I thought they were going to combine them. But uh, so but she's defending both. It's really difficult. So maybe she will lose one. What it, do you think? I think, she, I think she'll end up winning both. I think there are two potential great money in the bank scenarios. But maybe they just seem too obvious to me. Sami Zayn could end up helping Kevin Owens beat Kofi, and then he cashes in on KO if he won the money in the bank. That would be great I think that the would, friendship story. That would be awesome. And then what we just talked about, if Bailey were to win, cashing in immediately on, on Becky or Charlotte after their match, I think those would both be great wins and cash-ins. But, of course, I, I, just because I think it's good doesn't mean it's going to happen. I think it would be wonderful, <clears throat> but who knows what creative is going to do. Who knows, and we'll talk more about that in a second. We did put out a a, uh, call for anybody that wants to submit video or audio questions to our our email. email. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually got one uh, that uh, we're going to listen to right now from our, our good friend. 
Yeah, it's from our friend Deej Kirkby. You could find him online. He's a wonderful friend, has a podcast, While We Watch Pod. Uh, but before I throw to the clip, let me just remind you guys that you can send in an audio clip or a video clip. Uh, video would even be better because then you could see yourself on our YouTube version. Yeah, so, and we'd get to see what you look like. Yeah. So, all our loyal listeners. So where do you send it to? <laughs> well, to our email, twofacepod at gmail.com. So T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D, just like our Twitter handle, just like our website, all the same. Please send us an audio clip or question. We'll be happy to answer it when we can and include it in the show. So let's uh, listen to Deej Kirkby's question. Hello, Kelsey and Paul. It's Mags. At DEJ Kirkby. 2019 seems to be going pretty fast and we're already into May. But what I'd like to know is what is your match of the year so far? Thanks, guys. This is really hard. I mean, <laughs> of course, the year's not over, but... Yeah, we're we're only just into May and we, we've been trying to keep a list from the major shows of what our, our match of the year possibilities are. So when we get to December, we don't forget what happened in January. Yeah, because it's difficult to remember every match we liked and enjoyed and thought could be a contender. So I, I like the idea you had about keeping a list throughout the year. Just <laughs> jot down things we think could be possibly matches of the year. My matches of the year, I have two. First, because I think it's so fresh in my mind and I love the teams and the people so much. G.O.D. versus Briscoes from the War of the Worlds tour that we were able to see live and in person. I think that had an element for me to see it in person, it added something to it for me. So that'll be number one right now. And then close number two, the G1 Supercard ladder match between Taven, Skrull, and Lethal. I thought it was wonderful. I really loved it. I also really liked Taven versus Lethal. Yeah, that was a really good uh, match. You know, people thought it went too long, but I loved it. So those are kind of my top three right now. Yeah, that was at uh, 17th anniversary. Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, I think there's no disputing. Maybe you will dispute, but... <laughs> The moment of the year is Kofi winning the title at oh, WrestleMania, yeah. for sure. That's the moment of the year. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the match of the year. In fact, I don't even think that was Kofi's best match. I thought his Elimination Chamber oh. performance was was best. I loved his Elimination Chamber performance. It came out of nowhere, and the crowd was so into it. Look, I mean, going back to even Wrestle Kingdom, Jay White and Okada, Omega and Tanahashi who were great. There's some off-the-radar off the ones like the U.S. Championship at Fastlane between Samoa Joe, R-Truth, Mysterio, and Andrade, which I thought was a great match uh, when we were still paying attention to Impact. Which is a while ago. <laughs> LAX and Lucha Brothers from that Homecoming show was great. Yeah. Uh, recent ones, you know, during WrestleMania week, I mean, you know, there there was uh, the great match between Osprey and Bandito at WrestleCon. Oh yeah, and then the the tag. Oh man, I forgot about that match. How could I not include that? The awesome match, the tag match with Suzuki and Osprey on different sides. That was flipping amazing. That was at Rev Pro. So we've given you about eighty choices, but I guess if I've got to narrow it down to one. Damn, it's like I should have picked that one, <laughs> that tag match that I love. But okay, I'll stick with my Briscoe's God for now. If I have to narrow it down to one, I think for now, and I could, if you ask me next week, I might change my mind. I think I'm going to go with Gargano and Ricochet from NXT TakeOver Phoenix. Let's see, roll your eyes. Whatever. I, that, uh, that would probably be my favorite. And then, um, I don't know, that Ishii Okada match was so good. Oh, 
Oh, I forgot about that. That was good. There's a whole bunch I just forgot about. I mean, I can't choose. I'll I'll I'll, I'll choose the Gargano Ricochet. But again, if somebody else asks me next week, I may turn around and say uh, the Briscoes versus Villain Enterprises. You know. Yeah, that was awesome too. There's a million I could pick. So, so we really didn't completely answer, but we kind of did. We gave we gave one. Yeah, we did. We're we just went. we're just not fully committal to it. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not like this is our favorite. So uh, great stuff, and uh, please, everybody, keep the video and audio questions coming in. We we want to hear your voices because for some of you, we don't even know what you sound like. We certainly don't know what you look like, yeah. and that'd be a great uh, thing to put into the show. So submit it to our email an MP3 and MP4, and uh, we'll put it in. What also you could do by sending to our email is send us your feedback, your comments, because we don't see them on iTunes. We don't see them on those other platforms because all that's run by Wrestling Inc. So if you guys want to see us cover something, if you guys have a set of feedback uh, suggestions about stuff you've liked, stuff that uh, you want to see more of, just just send it all to twofacedpod at gmail.com. But now it's time to close out the show and send them home. Kelsey, you want to start things off with uh, one of your big pet peeves in wrestling that we've seen a bunch of? <laughs> we've seen it in person this week. I really dislike, and I don't know why this is really coming up for me lately, when I see people touch a wrestler, and I mean, what I mean by this is like, yes, sometimes wrestlers come down and they'll have their hands out and they'll touch people, or uh, somebody will have their hands stuck out and the wrestler just chooses to to touch them or sometimes the wrestler will go up and like pat somebody or whatever or choose to interact but there's a lot of times and I keep seeing it the fan will touch the wrestler as he passes by either on his back or if I was the wrestler I would I would hate it I guess you could argue well this is what they get into this is what they choose to do they know what comes with the territory no one wants to be touched without being asked I mean I, I saw a really cool way that Shane Taylor dealt with it. He's playing a heel, of course. Shane Taylor got touched and he, uh, when he was entering the ring, and he turned to the, the fan and said, don't you touch me, <laughs> of course, in a heel way, so it worked. But uh, I'm sure he really may, may not have minded, but uh, I, I don't like it. I just think somebody touched Jay Briscoe when he was walking away from the God match, mm-hmm. when he was walking backstage. I just don't like it. Like, you know, their shirts are off, they're all sweaty, and people are just taking the opportunity to just, like, glob their hands onto them. It's a pet peeve. I know it's kind of silly to care, but no. I would never do that, and I would ne- I would never want anyone to do that to me. No, there, there's it's one of those things, It's it's... It's okay if the wrestler engages you with a fist bump or a too sweet or whatever. But yeah, the the reaching over the rail and patting on the back because Especially know, people do it like really emphatically. Yeah. And they won't stop. They're like when someone's up against the railing, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like patting him like twenty times, like, stop, stop. <laughs> That's all I can think. It's like stop touching him. Leave him alone. He's trying to work here. Yep, and it's funny because she has brought it up a lot in the last week. Yeah. Especially I'm like, leave him alone, get <laughs> off of him. Well, and you just never know. <laughs> My point on that is you never know when a fan is going to go over the top and think they're part of the show, and that's the part that always scares me. Yeah, the pat on the back probably isn't a big deal. No, it's probably but not. it's the possibility of other things, yeah. you know, that people think they're involved, you know, because, like, Bully Ray is a good example where fans, like, get up, like, you know, they get act like they're so angry at Bully Ray and they're talking to him. You know, I, I, I half worry that somebody's just going to reach over and smack him or something. Of course, Bully Ray would kick Oh my god, he would retaliate for real. But yeah, I don't like it. Uh, You know, I don't. I don't know if they need to make the 
uh, rampway a little wider to kind of separate the fans off a little bit. But it happens against the railings, too, when yeah. they're, like, you know, doing dives to the outside and they're just sitting on the... That's when people will pat aggressively, too. Not just once. They'll do it, like, many, many times. And I'm just like, I know that the wrestlers probably don't always like that. So I know it's a silly pet peeve, but uh, it's been coming up a lot. We thought we might as well air it out, I guess. <laughs> All right, time for my uh, closing out the show, and I'm not going to close out the show talking about the Bruins going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yay! <laughs> but, yay, Bruins. Yay. <laughs> but I am going to talk about WWE, and uh, we do this show, we release it in the morning, so maybe appropriate to say this right now. Hey, hey, Vince McMahon and WWE Creative, wake up! Y- your, your product is in big trouble ratings-wise, the lowest ratings it has had uh, even like election night on SmackDown drew better than SmackDown a couple weeks ago. They have got to fix the product quickly. And, and having this AEW threat, you would think would wake them up. And I thought a couple months ago they were headed in the right direction. And when they let the wrestlers wrestle, and I, I'll go back to that Raw a couple weeks ago where they, they talked for like 30 minutes, but then they had a great match right after it. Mm-hmm. They ruined the show to me with the talking to me, if I just tuned in, I would have been turned off. If I'm not the kind of person that watches the show throughout, I would have been turned off by a half hour of nothing before wrestling started. Now there's a lot of thought of who's to blame is, is Vince meddling too much? Is he changing the scripts at the last second? Uh, saw an article on wrestling Inc that it's more that Vince is too open to suggestions that there's 37 writers and people are, coming up with ideas whatever the case they they are they're messing up personas of wrestlers we've seen it with the war machine war raiders viking experience viking raiders uh you know little things like ricochet doesn't have the lasers around him anymore they're just constantly meddling with the good things fix the things that are the problem don't change the good things that you've got going on and and make them so I don't know, cartoonish and, and yeah. you know, I, I think that's part of why people are getting turned off. You know, we obviously Raw is too long. We've talked about that too. But let, you've got a great roster. Let these guys wrestle because that's what people want to see. And I think the ratings are dictating that. And WWE better wake up very quickly because they're going to find themselves losing some of their audience. They already are. Attendance at, at live events is way down. Yeah. The viewership on Raw and SmackDown is down. And, uh, you know, wake up. <laughs> One could argue that viewership of all TV is down. True. But it's alarming the rate that this is falling for wrestling. And when you've got competition right around the corner on a big TV channel. Yeah. Like, you know, to me, they've got to realize we need to do something different. There's uh, rumors that Triple H is the most frustrated person backstage i would be the most frustrated if i was triple h too yeah i mean you <laughs> you foster these guys you bring these guys in you're investing in these wrestlers mm-hmm. and you love them in a way they're part of your work family and to see them like get squandered when they move up to the main roster where triple h is not in full control kind of i'm sure is frustrating why wouldn't you be upset about that you know yeah we'll see and uh we'll see if uh, they have uh, at least a decent pay-per-view on Sunday with Money in the Bank, and we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about more of Best of Super Juniors, and of course we will look forward to StarCast and Double or Nothing before we head out to Las Vegas next week. And be sure to stay tuned to both my Twitter and our Mm -hmm. show Twitter, again at SuperKickingIt or at Two-Face Pod, because we will be 
at StarCast, covering everything live. We should get some content. We'll have to see what we can bring to you, but we will be bringing you some interesting things. So stay tuned to both of those accounts just to see what happens and to see what we experience. And don't forget either or from Kelsey next week. Who's more iconic, Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse? Maybe. Plus picking a favorite, too. Yeah, and pick a favorite. We'll put him in a steel cage and see who comes out on top. <laughs> yes. I think, I think in that environment, Bugs Bunny, because he's sneaky, would come out on I top. I think he would, because <laughs> he could use all kinds of cartoon, like things to hurt yeah, Mickey. Mi- Mickey doesn't really have a fighting Mi- Mickey's too wholesome. nature. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, geez. I can't do it, but sounds like Family Guy version anyway. Yeah, That's, well, the Family Guy version of Mickey would win. Yes, yes. Not the, not the wholesome real version. So anyway, that's our little scenario that I might just add in that for fun. There you go. I'll add in that. Stay tuned to my Twitter. My next poll will be who would win in a still cage match and why? Bugs or Mickey? And I'll add that into the either or for fun. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your time. We appreciate you listening and or watching if you're checking us out on YouTube. Surely does mean a lot to us. We know your time is valuable. So until next time... Uh, We thank you for this time. See you later. That's it for us. That's the finish.